Welcome to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen, and I'm delighted to welcome you back to uh, another episode in a series of one-to-one discussions with people on the subject matter of business improvement, business development, and uh, business growth, essentially sales and marketing. Um, yeah, sales and marketing, where marketing is storytelling and where selling is all about influence and persuasion. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about this because I'd like you just, just to let you come straight into uh, the uh, conversation that I had with Sean McCartney Blair, who's the company founder and managing director of Toronto-based um, Heavenly Tasty Organics. Um, it's a, always a, a useful exercise to do a bit of research before you meet somebody um, who operates at that level. And I did so, um, and I couldn't believe what I was getting, what I was saying on the heavenlytasty.com website. Um, you know, it's a very, very uh, popular brand. It dominates some of the business press locally. Most recently, they had announced a, 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 an arrangement with Tesco's and they're currently, uh, I think I've just launched a relationship with Boots as well. So their distribution is very powerful across these two islands. But if you thought they were only trading very well in Ireland and GB, you'd be wrong because the business is operating throughout Europe into the Middle East and Australia as well. And it's a really brilliant story. And I hope you you, you enjoy listening to it. It was a real, really insightful for me um, to spend time with um, Shauna um, on the business, on what motivated her and why she set it up, on some pitfalls, some lessons she learned, and some advice that she can willingly give to other people who who would be finding themselves, who certainly would want to find themselves in a similar position. So, without any further ado, I'm going to um, flip on to the um, the podcast, and um, I'll talk to you soon. So, Shauna, um, thanks for uh, letting me come down to your uh, office in in Ahar, in the heart of. Um, Tyrone, we've done a fair bit of talking beforehand. We should have had that recorded, I think, from the start. Um, so if you were explaining to people your business um, who are listening, what would you say? How would you describe it? Well, we are a, s- a small business. Uh, we're based in Ahar here. And um, the business really is a healthy snacking company for babies and toddlers. Uh, we provide a range of healthy snacks um, for babies from six months old up to uh, three, four years old and further afield that can use our products. Um, all our products are based around low sugar and no added sugar, um, superfood ingredients and it's really just encompassing healthy snacking. Um, we're trying to promote that as um, a way forward for a lot of children and parents that are struggling with healthy snacking. Okay, so I'm just going to have to pull you up on something you said at the beginning. You're a small business. Um, I thought you were a small business, okay. Um, and I'm saying this with as much um, uh, sense of respect as I can. I did a, little bit of, did a bit of research last night. And so you're based in Ahar, and Ahar's a wee place in Tyrone, right? Yes. But you're trading where exactly at the minute? Uh, well, we're selling into our domestic markets, obviously, uh, UK and the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, we also sell into um, Spain, Slovakia, um, Austria, uh, we have um, countries further afield like Dubai in the Middle East. Um, we have shipped product out to Australia recently. Um, and we are looking at um, further markets such as India as well over in the next, the recent few, uh, near future. So um, we are in quite a good few markets now. We have also, sorry, a couple of um, Eastern European countries as well. So we are developing um, mm-hmm. our 
export markets and um, we are growing all the time so although we are a small company based on her we have a small team we are pretty well getting out there in terms of um, export markets it's a great story it really is and, and I, I have to confess a, a, a sort of I wouldn't say ignorance but I, I, I didn't fully understand the scale of the business and it's um, a real credit to you and the team here so I'm sat okay. in the office in the um, it's a real marketer's paradise there's boxes of everything <laughs> everywhere um, too easy a question to say how did it all start because when we were talking beforehand it's, it's evident that you care an awful lot about the kind of food that your children eat and you're fairly evangelical about that um, is that something that you see as uh, you know it's just the right place for the business to be of the right time or do you think there's a lack of ignorance or education needed and what what do you what do you how do you consider that market currently right now in terms of uh, healthy snacking, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess it's a grow, it's certainly a growing market. Um, I suppose for too many years, there's been too many sugary snacks out there for kids. And ask any child if they want a snack, they're gonna ask for something sweet. I think sweets, I think crisps, I think you know all the bad things that they want, and you know that's what they want to snack on in between meals. But I suppose from our point of view, we're trying to create this. Um, ethos that you can snack yes in between meals it's, it's needed children need to snack during the day because their bodies are so small their tummies are so small they can't you know just do eat nothing in between meals they do need to snack it's the way they're naturally programmed I suppose but you can do it healthily and our products are very much um, playing into that that they're healthy and they, you know they've lots of really good ingredients of not a lot of ingredients in all our products there's not um, any ingredients that don't need to be in there they're all natural and um, i guess that that's that's what we're trying to get across that you can do it in a healthy manner um, and we're trying to start at the young and work our way up are you involved in um, the uh, schooling system are you selling to schools not at the moment no but in terms of um, in a marketing manner, we do try and support. We have a, a marketing strategy which is healthy with heavenly, and we do try and support um, like childcare settings, um, crashes and things like that with product. We can sponsor their snack time, so uh, we'll we'll provide any nurseries and stuff out there that feel that they can um, promote healthy eating within their setting. Mm. We can provide them with some snacks, and um, they you know they spon we sponsor their their snack time, and I suppose it's getting children to try new things as well because the, you know they they're very very good at that age of two years old of saying no and just getting their independence and wanting to try things that they want and, and whatever. So it's, I suppose it's about encouraging that, and in a childcare setting when they're all sitting down around a table. Uh, they're more than likely to try new things because there's a bit of peer pressure there and they see other children eating something that maybe they don't like either. So we, we try and support that environment. Uh, what, what age range then are you targeting? Uh, well, our, all our products are, um, our products start from six months upwards. So you're starting at that weaning age. Um, so some of our little coconut squishies, uh, they're suitable from six months onwards and we have wafer wisps um, I'll get to try all these afterwards look forward to that, yeah. <laughs> um, they are suitable from six months onwards and then we have some snacks which are for 12 months plus so really um, 12 months is, and six months is the, the age that you'd try, start trying those at but they're suitable for right through school age so yeah. we're trying to promote um, healthy snacks in lunch boxes we've got little breadsticks which are made in the heart of um, North Italy and it's just the, the most wonderful factory that we have out there it's just great um, it's nestled in amongst all these vineyards it's just amazing awesome. but um, and to see those being made is just phenomenal but 
yeah, they, I suppose we're trying to promote in terms of healthy eating and lunch boxes as well. So they're not just for babies or toddlers, they're for yeah. older kids as well. Like these crispy veggie waffles we have here, parents love them. They absolutely love them. Um, they're really, really nice. And so you got, uh, just for the people listening here, there's carrot and cumin, veggie, veggie waffles. Um, and I could sit and look at that nutritional value all day and I'm sure it's, it's, it, it does look particularly sound. And the flip side of that is a friend of mine whose child came back from primary school, uh, say in May time with, with a flyer, you know, drink milk and eat yogurt and all this sort of stuff. Yes. We've had this conversation yes. and it's kind of dovetailing in, but there, there's definitely, it's a confusing marketplace. It has to be hard for you to market into because there's a lack of information holistically just to look at Northern Ireland and that market, there's a lack of information. So your job is to educate as well as yeah. to sell, I suppose. Yeah. Um, is there resistance to this? Is Are you finding, I mean, in the education, not in the sales, because yeah. obviously they're not, you're no, growing not the Not really. I think um, the generation, I suppose, that are having babies now are a lot more aware. They're a lot more um, educated. They want to know about our products. They come on to our social media streams and they... They ask, I like, we're getting emails on a daily basis from parents who maybe have a child with allergies or intolerances or, you know, they want them to try new flavours, um, such as those crispy veggie waffles, because there's 50% vegetables in those little waffles. Um, you know, we parents are more inquisitive now. Mm-hmm. They get in touch with us a lot more. So, you know, we find they're very open to, uh, to new products. They're open to healthy products. I suppose they want to step away from, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm not going to start um, slating any of our competitors by any means at all, but there are products out there that um, are being sold as healthy, but they, maybe they're made from a lot of um, fruit mm-hmm. blend. The, the natural content of that, sugar content of that is quite high. You have little date bars and things like that for babies, you know, and they're maybe not necessarily the most healthy choice in terms of natural sugar content. So I suppose for us, it, it's um, we're all about uh, low sugar and no added sugar. That's a big, big, big factor for us. And parents, I suppose at the minute with the whole um, sugar, I suppose if you want to call it a scare, that in the media over the last couple of years that sugar is something to be avoided and added sugar is a no-no and you don't need it and especially children don't need it and we're all overloaded with too much sugar. I suppose for us, um, it's a good time because parents are kind of reluctant to give too much sugar to their children and we can play into that in terms of our product range that we can supply them with a healthier alternative to what maybe is out there as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's strange that what people perceive as being healthy, the way something is branded, it says, you know, they can use the word fat-free or sugar-free yeah. or healthier, yeah. and they get away with just saying it without mm-hmm. any real justification mm-hmm. when you look at some of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And the best examples and the worst examples are, you know, the sweet drinks are... are um, uh, the, the example I will give is, is the other morning... Um, and I just mentioned this to you in passing, but there was two episodes of what I would consider misinformation and miscommunication. Uh, last Saturday morning, um, or last Friday morning, I was going to the gym and I listened to Good Morning Ulster who were talking about Farmgate and talking about the price of, it was all about dairy and, and uh, re- you, 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 it was subliminal, they were selling you beef and dairy and everything and meat and that's great. And I, I kind of do have a problem with that because it's celebrating one industry that presents 6% of our GDP, but doesn't mm-hmm. talk about tech. But when I went to the gym, uh, 
at DW Sports, they said, you know, the narrative was feeling thirsty, then take one of our Lucas Aids. <laughs> and I'm thinking like you're in the gym here and you're promoting fitness and then I'm going to take a glass of sugared water over here. Yeah. That's, it's, it's still a real, um, I suppose the job of the marketeer is to inform, communicate yeah. and educate as well as sell. Yeah. But, yeah, they, but yeah. the health authorities have responsibility here too. Yeah. Do you yeah. get any support from the health authorities in, in embracing your message and celebrating it? And do they help promote it in schools on your behalf or... Not, not particularly, no. I suppose they can't be really seen to be endorsing a particular brand. But an idea, yeah. and a movement and an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose we haven't really tapped into the health authorities as such. And um, I suppose, it, you know, I suppose it is that idea that they can't be endorsing a, bra- a brand as such, but the whole theme around it, you know, the healthy with Heavenly um, is something that we're working very hard on. And, um, yeah, it's... it's uh, yeah, it's, it's an area that we, we would be pushing forward with. So you had set up the business because of personal experience with, with children who yes. had um, were allergic. Yes, that's um, right. So you started off as a concerned parent. Yes, yes. Um, uh, well, it started off really in the kitchen at home. Um, I had a desk in my kitchen at home for a couple of years before I actually launched the business. So, um, What were you doing prior to setting up the business? I worked in administrative jobs really. Um, I had I, I didn't go to university when I left school at, at fifth year at sixteen. Um, I went to Lottery College for a year or two. Um, at the time, I didn't feel it was right for me, and I oh got how I regret it because <laughs> I was doing I was doing a food food course there, and uh, I I didn't think it was for me at the time, and so I, t- I took a step out, and I just wanted well, to. Why work. why not why. I don't no, I suppose I just I wanted to work. You know, I came from my family as a as a family business, and um, I just always daddy was always working and was always busy and and creating his own business. And I suppose I just wanted that. I didn't want to be. I felt I felt I knew I knew too much at the time. I suppose I want. I just wanted to get out there and work and earn my own money and have my own car and have my own independence. Like I was so young at seventeen, but uh, that's what I wanted to do at the time, and and I have no regrets about that at all. But um, so I, I worked in administrative jobs. I worked in, in local government jobs for a number of years. And then I took a career break and, and I had uh, Joe and then Cara. And um, I suppose that was the time when I became interested and reading up a lot more about organic food. When I was pregnant for the first time, I ate really, really well and everything was organic. And that then transitioned into after I had Joe and it started weaning him onto to foods was everything was organic and everything was sort of homemade and the same then when Cara came along and I just I suppose I was a full-time mum at the time and um, you know even I as a full-time mum found it difficult to find time to make everything from scratch for the two of them and I, suppose I couldn't find products really that were suited but suitable for them with their allergies they had egg and dairy allergies and later on then I found that they had nut peanut allergies but um, at the time, just that was when the seed was sown. Was when I really couldn't find anything because I didn't want to be giving them stuff in the jars, and you know, there wasn't a really good selection at the time. We're talking eleven years ago, so that's mm. it's there wasn't really a lot of choice on the shelf at that time. And the baby food industry has taken a big, a big, big turn since then. It's, it's completely different to what it was then. But um, yeah, that was when the seed was sown, and I suppose really with the fact that they had food allergies as well was a bigger part to play in it for me at that time 
So I did a lot of research and because I was making everything myself at home and everything was frozen into little ice cube portions as every mummy knows that's what you do at the early days you freeze it into small little portions and you take out just as much as you need when they're because they don't eat a lot in the early days when you're weaning them and I suppose I felt at that time this was a business idea I always wanted my own business just so I saw my 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 family you know daddy's business growing and um, I always wanted my own business. It was something that was within me, I think, just, you know, growing up in a family business environment. Um, it's something that never scared me. It never fazed me to think that I couldn't do it, mm-hmm. you know, and I respect that there are many people out there who don't have a link to a business and they don't know anybody that owns a business and, and don't experience that. So it's a bigger step for them. But for me, it didn't really seem just like, like a big step. Yeah. And I, I never really wanted to work for anybody else. I suppose I always wanted to work for myself and um, it was it was something I wanted to do. So I had lots and lots and lots of business ideas over the years and God, if I got a pound for every business idea I had and went, you know, I'd be rich now. But yeah, they this was one business idea in particular when I researched it that I just felt, you know, this this really, really, really has a bit of a bit of legs about it here. It could work and I, I want I really want to do it. It was the one idea that would never go away. Like you know, I kept it to the back of my mind for a long, long time, a couple of years. And then just you know what I just have to go for this. I have to give it a shot. I have to try it, and you know if it doesn't work, I'll always know that I tried, and I'd be happy with that. So uh, that's really where it started. And I suppose once Joan Cara went then to um to school, to primary school and play group and things, I felt I had a bit more time then that I could spend on developing this business idea and. I really took it from there and I suppose for a while I worked part time on developing the business, um, you know, a lot of the researching and packaging and product range and finding premises to manufacture it. I had started off in Cookstown in the Food Incubation Centre in Lawry College and we had a premises up there and we manufactured everything by hand. We made uh, fruit and vegetable purees, we peeled everything, we steamed everything, we cooked everything, we froze everything into little heart shaped cubes packed it all into little resealable doy packs and I was this was the first company of its kind in Ireland you know to do this kind of product and Mm. everybody was saying to me you're mad you're mad what do you you know it's crazy like what what are you doing that for but it the concept of it was absolutely loved by parents you know they loved this this organic um ready-made healthy alternative to jars and they could take out as much cubes as they needed and use up as much as they needed and whatever. But the challenge for us came around the, the positioning in stores. Mm-hmm. So um, I suppose at that time when we were hand producing everything in Cookstown, um, we, we just had a range of purees. So they were just the very first starts of when you'd be starting to wean a baby. And we didn't have anything else to, to follow on with it. So we were losing customers very quickly because they would transition on to other meals and things like that. And we didn't have meals to provide them. So we wanted to increase our range of products. Um, so we uh, found a local manufacturer here in Northern Ireland and uh, we added in a range of meals. So we had little shepherd's pies, we had chicken curries with quinoa in them and uh, lovely chicken lentil blend soups and different things like that. And they went on to win uh, Great Taste Awards, um, Plus the Heron Food Awards. They were really, really delicious. But again, the challenge, they were frozen and and um, the challenge came around the positioning in store. So we weren't in the baby food aisle. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, people weren't seeing us, they weren't hearing about us. I mean, we, we were listed with Tesco in Northern Ireland, uh, but we were stuck away in a freezer beside uh, ready meals and potato waffles and all those things that you have in the freezer section. And when a, when a mother is walking through a freezer section, she's not necessarily thinking about baby food. Mm -hmm. or a father um you know they don't think about baby food they, they go to the baby aisle they get all the baby things they need and then they were away off on another thought process going around the supermarket so for us we didn't have the capital to invest in uh, putting freezers into the baby aisles in any way the retailers were quite reluctant to do that because it was taking up a lot of space which is obviously space is money to supermarkets Absolutely, you know every yeah. square foot is, is money to them so um we took a bit of a transition then we moved to chilled meals we thought we'll try the chill sections but more child friendly there's yogurts in there there's you know other children's products in there so we did that and we faced the same issue with the, log the logistics of the position in store where parents were shopping in the baby aisle and when they were in the chilled aisle they weren't necessarily thinking about baby food we were being totally lost we weren't able to put uh, messaging on the shelves to say look we're here it's baby yeah. food whatever so it, we were just getting lost in the supermarket so we took some time out um i was pregnant with um, elsa my two and a half year old we took a bit of time around then and we made the decision we either stopped what we were doing completely and, and just go and find a job <laughs> somewhere or we dig deep and we you know we push on um we sort of made a choice in the middle that uh, like we were not going to stop what we're doing because we've put so much time and energy into this. My husband James also works in the business. Um, and we had invested so much time and, and personal money into it as well. And we knew that we had a really good brand and a brand message and company story, I suppose you want to call it. But the actual product range that we had was a bit ahead of its time in all honesty because we had to just take a step back and reassess what we were providing so we had an opportunity um to do an in-store tasting in a tesco store one day um in Knocknagoni, and we had uh myself and james it was a saturday we rocked up to the store we had our our, our frozen meals at the, at the time and we rocked up to the store and uh, we got there and we realized that there was none of our products actually in store uh, we didn't know this. We were using a distributor to get our products into the store and there was a bit of a lack of communication, whatever happened. Um, and our product wasn't actually in store, available to the customers to buy. Um, I think we had been given a couple of weeks really to prove ourselves in that particular store. And then the, the manager maybe thought that it wasn't selling quick enough or fast enough or whatever. So ended up we had no product in store to do an in-store tasting with. So we had to be a little bit creative and we ended up getting some space in the baby aisle. Uh, the baby food aisle and we stood there with our product and we thought you know what are we going to do here because we can't sell it today there's no product in store to sell um we're just going to have to talk about it and promote it but what we actually did was we took some time to um harass every parent that walked into the aisle and ask them and interview them what they wanted what they look for in a baby product what is their biggest fear what's their need in terms of baby products what type of packaging they liked what flavours they liked, so what price points they liked. Research. Absolutely. We just used that day to research as much as possible we could. And we found that people loved our product, but they could do it at home. The meals themselves is something that they like to do at home. 
uh, with the rest of the family cooking. So they want uh, their baby really to be eating what the family's eating. Okay. So they will, they, you know, we find that with the meals themselves, um, yes, there are so many parents out there who don't have time to make their baby's dinner as such, and they will use a product um that you know a, a convenient product in terms of a baby food product to to make up that gap that they have but when you know when, when babies get to a certain age then a lot of parents like them to eat what they're eating at home and that's not uh, an area where a lot of parents that we found that particular day really properly struggled the area that really they struggled in was snacking okay. and healthy snacking um, the buzzword that kept coming up to us was they, want, they wanted something healthy, they wanted low sugar, they didn't want, um, you know, anything that was salty or sugary or whatever. So healthy snacking came up time and time and time and time again with all these parents. So on one hand, we were just overloaded with such wonderful information from the parents that we interviewed. And on another hand, we were standing there going... What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, what, what are we going to? We were absolutely. We, we drove yeah. home. We came down the motorway. myself and James home, and we were like, um, you know, we were absolutely. We were gutted in a way because, although we knew the parents loved our product and the flavors were wonderful, they were award winning flavors, a great taste winning, and you know they were lovely, lovely products. That's not where we were going to make a business. Mm-hmm. It's not where we were going to make a business. And we knew that in our hearts. And we came home, we just we thought, you know, we're just going to have to make a transition here. We're going to have to stop what we're doing or we're going to have to change our product range. We decided, we dug deep and we decided um, to change our product range and take a pivot in terms of the business. So we had a great brand. We had a great message. We had good packaging at the time. We had great design on our packaging. Um, we knew that we could transfer that onto another range of products. So we decided then to start the needle in the haystack search for manufacturers and partners that we could work with in terms of developing a range of snacks. Now that is so much more difficult than you could realize because we're an organic company. There's not many companies in Ireland or Northern Ireland that produce organic food for a start and organic snacks. so what sort of time frame are you talking of? So you, you leave Nognagoni, you're driving down the road. Yeah. You're, you're, you're kind of deciding, so we keep the production line going. Yeah. We stop it, the pivot yeah. takes place and we have to move right yeah. over here. Is that months or weeks? or? It would have been over the period of about 12 months. Okay. Yeah, but 12 months where we weren't trading, where we were developing a range of new products. We were developing packaging. We were working with manufacturers. We were flying out to meet them. We were trying to get this product range together. And, you know... Um, Did you feel it was counterintuitive to you? Because the, the interesting thing that I see is... Uh, it's all interesting, by the way. Just <laughs> the, the, bit that, the bit that got me was that... I, and when I'm speaking to a lot of clients and talking about their, their sales and marketing, they have a very distorted view of themselves. So, for example, the guy who's selling... Uh, tape or whatever doesn't never has never bought tape from himself he's just selling constantly and he has yeah. this perception he really knows the customer when he really never knows the customer yeah but you were the customer to start off with which yeah is, so so basically you're going on i know i know this i know this i know this i know this we're not going i don't know this <laughs> yeah. so so you basically yeah. had to kind it of is, go against your yeah. personal judgment i suppose here. for me for me personally and i this is something i had to um i suppose really work hard on i was very emotionally attached to the product without a doubt like yeah very 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 emotionally attached to the actual products (laughs) it sounds so silly 
but the products. Well, no, the it doesn't. Pro- it doesn't because if you're talking about your your children, yeah. it's your baby. It's not that's a baby. right. That's right. You know? It was like a baby to me, and, and I was very emotionally attached. And although, in deep in my heart, I, I I somewhere I knew that I was pushing water up a hill, and that's what it did feel like that for a while in terms of of having the the frozen products in the freezer aisle in a store away from the baby aisle and their range of baby products. Um, I just I didn't uh, uh, for a long time. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't mm. want to. I didn't want to realize that uh, this wonderful little thing that I had created wasn't working in the way that we needed it to work yeah. in terms of growing the business and the, the direction that we wanted to go in. Um, so yes, for me, emotionally, um, I had to work very, very hard on, on disconnecting my emotions with the actual business. The business is a business. It's um, a separate entity to my emotions and my thoughts. Yeah. And I had to work hard on that. And I have to say it took a, lo- a long time and a few tears. And, no and you know, for me to actually say, right, these little products here, we're going to have to set you aside, but to park that, these little frozen products. I'll come back to you someday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not maybe, goodbye. Maybe. <laughs> it's not goodbye. But yes, so to, to, to actually take a step back and say, right, what do we want? Do we want a, a business that's a, a cottage industry that is small and stays small? Or do we want to really make our mark? on the the baby food industry and we chose the latter we really want to make our mark we want to be seen we want to be heard we want to be a global brand and emotionally now i'm not as attached i am still very attached this is my business my baby um i love it and i love everything about it but um i see it in a different light than what i did before the streets of the streets of the north of belfast or wherever are paved with people whose brilliant ideas have remained their ideas rather than the market's ideas. They yeah. decided just to hold on to it because yeah. that detachment is really difficult to make. I've seen it with clients that I'm going to keep doing it this way and I'll say, well, why? So the market's kind of saying something else. Says, no, but I know I've done this and that, how you know, like I've been working here for 20 years and that, that the 21st year is an awful year for them because it is the, the customers decide we're not with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that you know, you, I've heard you say this a, a couple of times. We've, we've You were uh, one of the panellists at the uh, the business of winning event up in Garvahi and you spoke about the importance of doing market research mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of startups because you're a startup right you don't have any tech around here apart from mm-hmm. every, you, you mentioned startup in, in Northern Ireland this tech company down the Sands Park you're a startup you, you are a startup you're now mature almost or growing into maturity yes. and whatever um, and you had to research and the best place for you to research was the life you were living yes it was your life that That's informed right. your thinking you yes, know yes. so all these guys who are up in the sands park now making widgets that are going to help the medical uh, world change these guys aren't doctors or in the medical world to know so they i think there's a massive gap sometimes yeah and what you think you know what you yeah. really need to know <laughs> oh yeah 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 like at the minute now i have um i have a five month old baby and we're starting on our weaning adventure all over again and uh, i have a two and a half year old as well so we're in we're we are our customer we we are in that environment um i suppose in, and you know we still need to listen to our customers we we do we need we ask them lots of questions on a regular basis we work with a lot of bloggers who review our products we like to hear their feedback you know you have to listen you can't just shout and 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 um and and want people to hear you all the time I suppose you need to take time to be quiet and hear the noise. Yeah, exactly. You have to listen to what people are telling you. And I suppose that day in Nognagoni, um, we listened and yeah. it was the big turning point for our business. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, we took that opportunity and we changed what we had and it's really turned things around for us big time. There's um, a couple of 
I'm not going to remember them verbatim now, but there's a couple of references that I use uh, in, in when I'm with, with clients about uh, seeing the world from the customer's eyes. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a quote from Cicero, one of the Stoics way back at 1700 years old. He says, if you um, want to truly um, understand me, then listen to my thoughts and um, see what I see. And mm-hmm. uh, Harper Lee, Kill a Mockingbird, Atticus and Scout are talking. Atticus talks about you have to walk a mile in a man's skin before you really That's understand funny, what's yeah. going on. And, yeah. and I think that the, a lot of businesses, uh, one in particular who's just called me, <laughs> has got a real, you know, like, but I know my customers. I said, well, when was the last time you ever bought from yourself? You don't ever buy from yourself, yeah. but you do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you do. And, and, yeah. and you're very, yeah. I think you're probably lucky. And, and to a degree, you create your own luck because at that stage, that, that uh, sort of um, pivotal moment for you, literally pivotal moment for you mm-hmm. in Nocnagoni, you could have decided, no, no, we're right. Tesco's are wrong. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and the customers don't know what they don't know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So taking that thought a stage further then, so you've, you've grown up with your children. Um, and figuratively and literally and from a marketing context so whenever they become well, the first wave of children become teenagers mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. do you then want to take guardianship and control over the reading habits then too or use that to inform another revenue stream yeah. or product stream it, well I suppose in terms of Joe and Karen are, are, are 10 and 11 and um, they're very much at the, the, the time in their life where they, they, they want to make their own choices and they you know that they, they good friends houses and I can't influence their eating there but when they're at home I can and I try it doesn't always work you know they're very independent age you know once really once children hit school age you're sort of you're losing that bit of um control over their eating and I suppose yeah. when they're early years you really can control it in, in, a, in a controlled way but I suppose Joe, Joe my oldest now he's going to secondary school now in September and I just I, I don't know what's going to happen whenever mm. he's eating in school so it's uh it's something that I will try and influence and encourage healthy eating um in a very mindful way that you know, you're not making an issue out of it in mm. a way you know you don't need we all hear about issues of eating with young teenage girls and whatever and I'm conscious of that as well with Cara so it's suppose it's uh, it's something that I will encourage uh, in terms of their eating but I suppose in terms of the business and I don't know I suppose in terms of, of products that may crop up for that age group I'm not sure it's not something in the immediate future that we're working on um, for older older children but yeah, we'll always be watching the market and um, if there are opportunities that come up, you know, we, we're a young, fast moving company, we're a small team, we can make decisions very fast and mm. if we feel that something's going to work for us, then we'll go for it, definitely. I think that um, the, the idea that, you, yeah, you, you do lose a degree of influence whenever school becomes involved mm-hmm. and other um, friends and different um, sort of hobbies that teenagers get involved in, but the... We had talked beforehand the 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 um the, some of the misinformation that's in the market now that the way that the big corporates and you don't have to go to the level of the Monsantos and try and be sort of conspiracy theorist about it, but Coca Cola and those brands um are under really pressure real pressure with the sugar taxes mm-hmm. and that but mm-hmm. there's some of um there's a, there's also a a movement towards plant based is becoming very popular mm-hmm. not just popular as a as in some kind of like um theme and trend but it's becoming a proper movement and there's mm-hmm. a real move that way mm-hmm. do you see yourselves ever thinking is that a way that the business can move because it's a logical progression then in, in, in yeah, that respect and well, we talked was, about the guys down in 
the happy power guys down in, in Greystones have yeah, created yeah. an incredible movement. Yeah, down they have, they have indeed, and it's, it's working very well for them. I suppose in terms of ourselves, um, some of the product range we have, um, we have. Uh, couple of snacks there that do use a lot of ancient grains and things you know that are becoming people are becoming more and more aware of amaranth and quinoa and buckwheat and, and all those kind of grains that you know if you don't want to have wheat you can have these instead and you can use them in many different ways you know and, and so some of those ancient grains that we put in our products people are becoming more aware of and we would like to build on those um i mean i see more and more snacks coming up that have sort of really um I don't know if you would maybe call them the paleo diet products. Yeah. In America especially, there's a wave of, of children's snacks coming up that are, are, are sort of catering for that market. I suppose for us, we, we try and cater for everyone as best we can, you know, and we're not going to go gung-ho into one particular area of eating, I suppose, because you're going to limit your market, yeah. you know, maybe in a way to do that. But we will always, always, always try and look at uh, new ways of presenting a product and um, new ingredients that we can use all the time you know in terms of of um superfood ingredients and, and ancient grains as well so um i don't think we're going to go down one particular route in terms of a healthy eating you know a actual strategy like um paleo or raw foods or um, it does make you narrow cast. I mean, if you did go yeah. paleo only, then you kind of become very narrow cast. Yeah, and yeah. Then in in that case, how far, how far ahead are you looking in terms of your strategy? Is it is it a five year plan, ten year plan? Yeah, well, it's certainly a five year plan. Anyway, um, we do have um plans in place all the time for new product development. It it is quite a time consuming um exercise to do in terms of new product development. We have twelve products at the moment. In our product range um so we have a good family of products to work on and develop and you know i suppose and when you're working with um companies in in, in other countries that produce for you um yeah you, you have to work with the, the speed they're going at and the technology that they have as well and the abilities that they have and you know we're always looking out there for for the next next product for our range as well so we're all, we're going to continue in the same lines that we are at the moment it's all about low sugar no added sugar um and healthy ingredients so you're making it sound a little bit too easy just for my reckon, right? <laughs> because people that are going to people that be listening to this will be trying to get some tips and, and an idea of how they can apply the logic that you've applied to a, an exceptionally successful um sort of pan european partly global business like and it's not just not her based you know i, I got, i've got over that now <laughs> that, that my fault um but what so everything is very seamless you know one pivot in the island not going and away you go <laughs> what cha- what were the real challenges you had and, and you know and yeah. business challenges yeah. starting up any business is not it's not easy starting up something that has got is got food involved and children involved yeah, is, yeah. is neither easy yeah you know, no it is by no means an easy feat at all and yes you know when people are shopping in the supermarket and they see a new product on the shelf they just think oh wow that's just popped up there since yeah. last night and I've never heard of that company they must just be new and it took them a really short period of time to get that product on the shelf because that's not how it happens it at all it does not work like that yeah. it does not work like that I mean we have launched uh, this year into Tesco nationally across the UK uh, that was two years in the making that actually are they easy yeah. to deal with the big supermarkets oh, and yeah, multiples if you, if you yes and no you need you need to have a unique proposition you need to give them something that they want to have on their shelf you need to be uh, they're like your customer your consumer you need to give them what they want and um, you know if they want to overhaul their baby section and put in a new range of products so they're healthy and whatever we're there 
we're their guys, you know, and we we're we're giving them something to to do that with. Uh, they, you know, if you if you give them what they want and you have a unique proposition, as I said, they are relatively good to work with. You know, they're not the big monsters that so many people, you know, maybe experience them as being in recent years. Mm-hmm. They are different now, I suppose, in terms of support and supporting new brands and new companies and and different products coming into the environment and. Uh, creating new environment for people to shop in and, and offer them new products and offer them uh, healthier alternatives as well. I mean, it's, the supermarkets have to provide you with healthier alternatives. You can't just offer, you know, all these high sugary snacks and things. They have to give consumers what they're asking for and what they want. So, you know, um, as I said, that Tesco in particular was two years in the making. That doesn't happen overnight. You know, the, the we had to, to develop a range of products to launch into the Easter you can go with one product. You know, you couldn't mm-hmm. go with two products. You have to have a range of products so that you can have an impact on the shelf right. as well. So you have visibility so that your brand is visible. So that, you know you have two, three, four, five products sitting beside each other on the shelf that people go, Oh, there's a new product, what's that? If you've one little product that's just sitting yeah. in amongst this. It's noise, hard to get seen. Like it's it's hard, hard to be yeah. seen. So um in terms of, of working with the big retailers, um, yes, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. You have to be very patient because, you know, they have retail buyers who don't stay in those positions for a long period of time. They move around all the time. So you could be got you could have maybe got two, three months down the line with one buyer. They move, you've got a new buyer and you start all over again. And that's how it works. And it's just the nature of the of the business and it's the nature of the game and you just have to stick with it and persevere and if they need something, you provide it uh, as quickly as you can and uh, you just hope that you get there sooner rather than later. And yeah, sometimes things can happen very quickly. You know, sometimes if you've a really good buyer in position and they really uh, champion your brand, um, yes, you know, things can happen quite quickly. And for us, we're a small team. We can move fast. Things don't need to go through endless meetings mm-hmm. to be signed off. You know, that's an added benefit of of them working with a small company like us, we can move fast as well and provide them with what they want. It's a full, um, uh, as a student, I suppose as a student of marketing, somebody who's, fa- I'm fascinated with the buying behaviours and what makes people buy things and why they are, you know, are faithful to certain brands and mm-hmm. why they won't look at other brands. But this is a, f- a pure exercise in real sales and marketing here. This, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing, it's not just you're manufacturing and you're um, f- producing X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. but it is proper sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Like you, it is, you it is. don't get any second chances here. No, absolutely not. And, and for a baby product, um, we did, you know, we did, we've done endless research, but a baby product of any kind is a very emotional purchase for a consumer. So, like, they might research us, maybe, I think there's like eight touch points before they actually will buy a product for their baby because they'll research it, they'll look for it, they'll check it out in the shop, they'll see what they can find, they'll look for it online, they'll research their social media, they'll look at your website and might even contact you and ask you about it. So they will do a lot of research and it's a very, very emotional purchase. So for us, we need to be seen and heard. We need to be trusted by the consumer. The consumer has to trust our brand. And so for us, you know, we have, um, you know, we're, we're honest about everything. There's nothing about the company that we hide we were very transparent and any of the messaging that we put out there we don't fluff things up and then in behind that it's something different you know we are a very honest company and I suppose that's that's really what gains people's trust you know uh, we are parents we're a team of parents in here we all mm-hmm. have young toddlers and children and we're just trying to 
do the best by them like every other parent that is out there is trying to do so it's uh, that stuff you you mentioned there about trust and authenticity and um you know people get businesses when they set up get taken away by how the logo looks and <laughs> packaging is really important you it know because it has to stand out for the right reasons and it has to be colorful and it has to get yeah. a message in across and especially if, if a concerned parent is not is not going to buy something that's black with a skull and crossbones on it or yeah. something like that you know it, that's all very obvious and evident but it's a real transparency and i think added to that there's a degree of a lack of transparency with some of the other brands that you're sharing shelf space with yeah so yeah. you have to be really yeah. like uh, yeah. Authenticity is not just a, a nice word. Yeah. You have to live it. And you do. You have to. And even just you know, the simple aspect of transparency and where we can on our products, we will have a, a, a transparent window where you can actually see the product. There's some of the little doy pack products there. You can actually see the product in the bag and you can see one of our competitors beside it there and you can't actually see into the bag. So, yeah. you know, it's that even alone is, is something the parents can actually see the product before they even lift the bag and buy it, you know. So we're, we are, we're, we're, we try to be as, as honest and transparent as we possibly can and, um, and parents, they like that, they like that. Is there anything that you've encountered in, in, in your journey so far that you, you deeply regret, that something that you've done as a business that you deeply regret and if you could turn the clock back you would... Good fix. Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing that I would regret as such. You know, obviously, um, every business will go through huge learning curves at the beginning. You'll make mistakes. Um, I've certainly made mistakes and, and wrong choices, and not nothing major that has affected the business in a way. Um, I suppose the product range that we have now. Part of me wishes I had started out with that, but it, it wouldn't have happened because it wouldn't have been the right time and I wouldn't, you know, it's all about timing and, and getting it right as well. But I suppose um, you learn from your mistakes and you have to learn from those mistakes and not repeat them again. That's, that's, I, I like, I, we've made mistakes and, and just wrong choices at times as well. And I suppose um, you learn from those and you don't make those mistakes again. And it's good to make them early on. Mm. in a business you know you're not going to make those huge mistakes later on again you know I think it's only a mistake if you repeat it though you that's, know. that's right that's right exactly like I remember reading an article with um, Jo Malone the, the, the candles and she had um, obviously her first company Jo Malone candles and the perfumes and all the, the lovely products that she has and then she, she sold that and then she started up another con- company called Jo Loves she said she made all the same mistakes all over again <laughs> like, second time around yeah. so you know you just have to learn from them, and uh, I guess um, you can't call them mistakes. They're just learning curves, yeah. experience. When when was it? When was that moment that you realized in the in the sort of um, the trajectory of the business that you were you were onto something really good? When when was that moment that you thought, geez, you know, this will really work? <laughs> I suppose it's not. It was for us. It wasn't really a particular moment as such. Um, it's more of a building of realization that. Yes, actually, this really is starting to work now. And you're looking back across uh, financial reports and you have everything, you know, your board meetings and you're looking up at the figures on the screen and you see a growth curve starting to happen and repeat orders coming in. And I, I suppose for us, um, a big, big, big realisation for us was the, the major multiples in the UK taking us on board. So we have Tesco UK, we've got Morrison's, we've got Waitrose. Um, Waitrose is a... It takes you to a different place altogether, right? Because yeah. It's very, very demographically targeted yeah, as, a, yeah. as a, you know, it's like around North London, certain parts of North London, certain parts mm-hmm. of South London, and very, it's a very affluent. Yeah. There are none in, in, in Ireland, are there? 
No, well, there's no. none over here. No, yeah. unfortunately, I don't unfortunately, they're they're very good, <laughs> but they're it's it's um everything the Lisburn Road tries to be in yeah. one shop. <laughs> That's right. It's unbelievable. They're lovely yeah. shops. Um, so I suppose for us, uh, when those retailers actually said yes, you know we'll take you on board that was great but you don't actually believe these things until you get your first order so you know we get our first orders in from tesco uk tesco ireland um and waitrose and morrison's you know that for us was for the volume was going to start coming through the business and volume for the product and the orders and things like that when we started then to see repeat orders coming through you know you can get your first order that's wonderful that's going to fill a warehouse somewhere Mm -hmm. that's great your second order is going to replenish the warehouse from the stock that went out to the shop shelf. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Your third order is the true order. That is the order where you see the stuff's gone off the shelf in the shop. They've taken the second order out of the warehouse to mm-hmm. replenish the shop again, and now they need more stock. There's a, there's a good pattern here. There's a pattern occurring. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the third order onwards is, okay, this is really starting to work. Now this is moving through the whole supply chain. We've product moving. It's great. They need more orders, more orders, more. That this is when we've seen it starting to work. And, you know, yes, we get first orders in from many export markets. Um, they're wonderful, mm-hmm. but it's when you get that third and consecutive orders that you really start to see things happening and a growth curve starting to occur. And that's when we started to realize we're really onto something here. People really are buying into our brand, our whole company ethos, where we're trying to go to, and they want to be part of it. And you know. That for us is just as as really was a pivotal moment, and I suppose then as well, more recently, um, for the particular range of products that we have, we're winning awards. They're winning parent awards. Um, you know, uh, we're recently winning awards in the UK as well for um parenting and best baby product awards, um, best baby snacking award, toddler snacking awards. So that for us then is as a stamp. Validation, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah and in the UK validation. market, yeah. because here we're coming from Northern Ireland. Yeah. You know, we're just a. a you should never really say company. that, though. You know, so, because know. You, you're just a, you could be a little village in the middle of Berkshire or yeah. or Wiltshire, and yeah. you'd never say, "Look That's at right. us coming from Wiltshire," That's you know, right. or, or from Galway. You can use yeah. the same example. Yeah. The thing that 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 and I got it last night looking at your website. Your website is, it's a it's a really a brilliant um, depiction of the business. But it's deeper than that, you know. There's a lot of stuff that you can see the the awards, the coverage, and the the the, the you know, can you call it trade press? Because the consumer titles and, yes, and par- yes, parenting yes, titles, yes. the Mail on Sunday, That's right. all these magazines have covered. Like they're not stuck for stuff to talk about, given the amount of lying that the mm-hmm. national papers do. Mm-hmm. Like so, they're mm-hmm. taking time out to go, and that's a real, you know, given that a lot of stuff is social media driven at the minute, you yes, know, and, yes, and it's all yeah. very niche. You've there's obviously a bit of a movement that you've created or has been created around yeah. what you do, but there's a wider interest in that. That's right. That's right. I suppose when we did, whenever we did uh, get the the Tesco contract and we had our, our press coverage of that, you know, we got a coverage in the Daily Mail and the Irish Daily Mail and that was huge it yeah. was absolutely huge and the opportunities then that have come off the back of that yeah. were just you know were really really valuable to the company as well they're massive um, I mean I know everybody uh, well not everybody social media is it is what it is it's sort of uh, ever present and you know the technology it's almost like a perfect storm for a business like yours you know it's it's a great storytelling platform mm-hmm. you've got a great story visually mm-hmm. is a great story mm-hmm. branding's exceptionally strong it's an educational platform you can talk about it in the language that mm-hmm. parents want to hear mm-hmm. because they don't want you know they don't want the full nine, nine yards they just want sort of 140 characters or a picture <laughs> yeah. or a story and it's you know 
try yeah. and try and set this business up in the nineteen eighties. Whenever it might have, you might be twenty million people watching the, uh, uh, Markham and Wise show, but to advertise in the middle of it, it would have cost you a couple of hundred thousand pounds. That's right. You know? That's so right. there's there's an element of of good fortune to your timing, yeah. but you've made that yeah. happen yourself. So you yeah. do a lot of your communication on social media, really. Yeah, we do. We do. We have a lot of um a lot of a lot of our communications is is, is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. More recently, over the last twelve months, and uh, we have a great great marketing person in here, Kristen. I just cannot yeah. sing her praises highly enough. She's wonderful. Um and the the great stuff that she has done over the last year is phenomenal. Um yes, social media is a big, 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 big uh medium for us in terms of parents communicating with us and us communicating with parents. Um, you know, I, I suppose you're you're giving them enough information to make their own choices. We're not telling them how to do anything. We're we're giving them snippets of, of facts and, and information about our products and the ingredients in them and you know, and we've a lot of little competitions on there, and we work with a lot. We collaborate with a lot of other companies who maybe are on the same sort of uh, wavelength as us in terms of, of baby products, toddler products. Um, you know, they're not necessarily baby food products. It could be um, like Bubble Bum booster seat. There, we would work with them in terms of collaborating with them for social media competitions, and it works, mm. and it works really, really, really well. But I think that you said at the very beginning, and it was very telling, that you struggled at the start to find food that was going to be, you wouldn't be able to feed your children with whenever they were, you first realised they were allergic to. Mm-hmm. And so the, the marketing... The the marketing agenda or the strategy is not necessarily to create a brand, but it's educational marketing. It's like to help people who you've probably long forgotten about the challenges you had, but it still informs your thinking. But there's thousands of other parents out there who are going, I don't know what to, I know that's bad, but what's good? Yes, that's right. And and those channels that you have, they're incredibly well tailored towards an educational thing, even podcasts, which we talked about beforehand. There's only like a quarter of a million people who are podcasting, but there's a billion listeners and downloading, yeah. uh, downloaders, if you want to call them that. And then you've got the YouTube and the Snapchat and you've got mm-hmm. Facebook where you can visually communicate and you can yeah. go one to one. It's almost taken over where the radio has this dominance on one to one communication. But Snapchat could be have a million followers, but you're saying it and you're thinking this is for me and it makes sense. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really, really powerful um, medium. I think that, that without in the sector and eating there's the lack of uh, information or the the unwillingness or the lack of desire and people to dig deep for the information was mm-hmm. so so important what you mm-hmm. eat like it's mm-hmm. incredible yeah. especially if you're a parent yeah absolutely i think you know we're all we all have a lack of time in terms of you know finding time to research stuff and whatever and you're, you're so busy in your daily life you just need that snapshot that little skim across the top sometimes that, that bit of information to catch your attention and then you can dig deeper but um, I suppose uh, for us is trying to hit that and we're trying to put enough information out so that people do see it and do read about it you know we work with mommy bloggers as well um, and we tap into their network of, of, of followers as well so you know when they blog about our product it's an honest blog um, and uh, thankfully they've all been very very positive and you know that then reaches out to all their followers and everything you know and i suppose for us as well um, we're going to be starting to do more uh, video content as well mm. going forward you know and I, we've done some uh, videos with myself in them so people see me in the videos they see that i'm a human being and um, we're behind the business it's not just all on screen and Absolutely. on shelf and whatever so they yeah. see that we're human and that i'm a mum and i'm just like them and no different. Em- empathy and uh, empathy is massive and 
in the, the core of good selling is, is customer empathy and understanding how the customer feels you know and if you don't have that empathy yeah. your job's harder yeah. and similarly if you're a customer and you believe there is empathy then your willingness to buy is greater mm-hmm. and to be supportive and That's to understand right. and, and to get involved in your social media mm-hmm. and to follow you on Instagram because even if it's only a small picture of something that means that, that um, you're blocking your competitors but you're building on this relationship where you you become sort of partners in the whole uh, eating yeah. thing and we talked earlier on about the happy power thing uh, phenomenon I suppose that's going on down there and they're living and breathing this for 12 years and they're you know you, you do need proof you know you need proof that sort of plant-based or whatever and parents you've you know proved to me that this stuff is okay and you're living proof that it is mm-hmm. better than just okay you mm-hmm. know um we talked earlier on they come back to the last time that we met was at the uh, Business of Winning, it's an event uh, up in Gravahi, and it was the morning of the Brexit vote. I don't yes. know if you remember this, but 120 people in yeah. the audience, and Naomi McMullen asked the audience, Hello. "Are you going? To, should we stay or should we go? And 119 people says, yes. oh, we're going to stay, and one fella says, we're yes. going to go. Yes. And I don't even know, He, I don't think he'd have been happy with what he wished for, no. because no. <laughs> everything shut down. He was down. very brave. <laughs> he was very brave to take the microphone and say, I believe we should go, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, he said he could buy his buying... Um, position in in an engineering would have been made easier, and I'm going well. Hard. <laughs> okay, so I don't know how far on we are into the journey of Brexit. How has that impacted you? Yeah, well, the currency has really impacted us, and I have to say, um, you know, twelve months ago, the currency was really in our favor. We we are we have manufacturers in Europe, so we buy our product in from Europe, and we sh- we ship it back here, and then we ship it back to our customers and whatever so in terms of us and, and Brexit obviously the currency um, has been affected drastically and that has affected our buying prices you know we're a small company we don't have bank load of money to, to forward buy millions of euros or whatever so you know it is it has affected us um, I suppose it's equaled itself out over the last 12 months because we were really really winning this time last year with the, the euro and now it's sort of we're, we're losing out on it a bit but um, it was equally equaling itself out over the period of the 12 months but looking forward you know it's it's a uh, it's, it's it's a worry for us it's the unknown it's how it's going to affect us in terms of selling to export markets you know trade tariffs and things like that what's going to happen with those um, it's just the uncertainty. It's still, you know, everything has died down, obviously. Mm-hmm. The whole Ferrari out, we were devastated. Okay, totally, yeah. yeah. I, I felt like someone had died, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, that, that morning. I made a big mistake of telling somebody I didn't vote and say I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I, my reason for, I just think, again, it goes back to the lack mm-hmm. of information. It was, so, the, yeah. the, the confidence in that yeah. room that morning up in Gervais was that it's a cert. You know, and I'm sure if the 119 people in the room, how many others didn't vote because they that's thought right. it was such a shoe? And that's you know. right. That's right. You know, I think no one that I really know very well expected this to happen. Expected the the, the vote leave, and I, I don't think anybody on the on media expected it too much either because there was such a sense of shock for a long time after. But for ourselves, we just have to work with it. We just have to put our heads down and go with it and and see where it brings us and you know we are a small team we can move fast we can make decisions fast if things have to change they have to change and we will mold ourselves around the agreements that come into place and we will make it work we just have to make it work mm. you know there's no option really yeah, is it that's, yeah. that's the thing we just have to make it work and we we, we have a lot of um uh, customers in throughout europe who are 
loving our products, loving our brand, growing their business and, and, you know, and growing our business on the back of that. And, you know, we don't really see that changing. Um, we just have to make it happen. Yeah. Just on the on the marketing into Europe. So you've got so many different um, countries that you're, you're trading in at the mm-hmm. minute who all have different uh, maybe advertising standards, uh, may all have different um, supermarket chains that have mm-hmm. different behaviours in terms of point of sale. Mm-hmm. Have uh, Do you have to change your behaviour when you're selling into different countries? If you're suggesting to another organisation that's listening, thinking we're trying to target countries even in the Middle East and, and Eastern Europe and, and Southern Europe and whatever, Northern Europe, mm-hmm. is it, do you have, do you have to behave in a more local fashion when you're taking into consideration the different yeah, markets? Yeah, well... On, our, on, on all of our packaging, we have translations for all our ingredients and our nutritional information and things like that. So that, that, that was our first step. Um, that was actually one of the things that held us up uh, initially before launching some of the products was um, I had this harebrained idea one day that I wanted like as many languages on the packaging as possible because it would open up so many markets mm-hmm. for us because it would save time in, in stickering product or relabeling it or whatever. So... Yes, we have um, six or seven languages on some of our products. It opens up some marketplaces for us. Um, it means that you know we have more opportunities in other markets. Uh, we're catering for their need. They respect the fact that we have that language on there, you know, and it's a legal requirement that we can communicate with them what's in our package and what's in our product um, in their local language. So, yes. Uh, for some of the markets, we, we use distributors, obviously, so they look after their market. Uh, we don't particularly have an, a big involvement with the actual retailers out there. We just work with our customer in that market who is a distributor. For other markets, like Spain, we have um, a team in, in Spain with two people. Um, one, he's their sales and marketing manager out there, and then the lady is our marketing manager as well. She looks after all the social media and the website and our online shop out there. So for Spain in particular, um, we let them deal with the retailers because they know they know the market, they know the language, they know the buying behavior, they've all mm. the experience of that area. So that works very, very well. Um, we don't we don't really tend to go into too many countries without using a distributor mm-hmm. because they know the market. You know, and, and they know you the logistics and the markets. Do you well. go into those countries because you know that there's how do you assess that there's a market potential? Do you base base it on the fact that well there are parents in all of these countries that are obviously interested in the well being of their children, therefore there's a market? Or do you kind of look at the market trends in, in places like Spain where they're more likely to have a Mediterranean style diet that they're more interested in that and there's a better market fit for you? How, yeah, how, how? well um well obviously Europe is just on our doorstep and that's a, a natural progression for us to move into that market. Um, I suppose for us, initially, we, we did a few trade shows with Invest NI. We went to Seattle in uh, Paris a couple of years ago. And we assessed the feedback and the inquiries that we got from there. And, and you know, a lot of the inquiries were from the countries that we're now in. Um, we filtered them out and, and we, you know, we weeded out all the sort of the time wasters and we picked out the, the people that we felt that we're going to work with. And, you know, one of them was uh, our guy in Spain um, that we met at that time. And, um, I suppose this, for us, a lot of the countries have come to us looking for oh, our products. Okay. Um, okay. A lot of the people in those countries have actually come to us looking for our products. They've heard about us, they've seen us, they want it. Other countries, we have, um, we've worked with maybe a market researcher. You know, we've got a bit of support from InvestNIE. We do maybe some of the trade programs that they have, and we have a market researcher out in that country. She assesses the market. They will 
um, look for distributors out there for us. So we'll see who fits best with us. So we'll assess all the retailers out there. They'll test the market in terms of their acceptance of our product. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really where a lot of the business has come for us in terms of um, the trade programs with Invest NIE. We have secured a lot of business through that. Um, because the market research was done by someone local in that market, yeah, it's yeah. hard for us to go out there and do market research. You know, you don't, we don't know the market. You know, it's better getting someone out there to do it for us, um, and they can give us the feedback then, and we can make a decision on the back of that. Some of the further afield markets like the the Middle East and uh, Saudi and Dubai and things like that, and those really come on the back of of um, you know, James doing Gulf food out in Dubai a couple about a year eighteen months ago. Um, and you have to put yourself out in those markets mm-hmm. to be seen, first of all. Um, and then, obviously, we just work then with uh, the inquiries that we get when we're out there. So, you know, we've been very, very lucky. We've had a lot of good, uh, positive feedback from any trade shows that we've done. Um, you can't just sit in your office and expect people to come to you. You have yeah. to go out there and be seen and work with what you get then when you're out there. So it, it has taken a long time for some of them. You know, obviously, um, trade shows that we've done maybe two years ago we're still getting inquiries from a yeah. senior sayal two years ago senior product range blah 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 how you know but that's not not the nature of all business that it's not there's a, a logical time and i'm sure if you were to put in sales cycles you would say anything ranging from a couple of weeks to two years to get yes. you know and yes it's a journey for all those businesses who become overnight success typically about four or five years to get there rather than yes just the overnight, yes you know. oh absolutely absolutely yeah. it takes it takes quite a long time sometimes definitely um we're just about an hour and two minutes um it's been fascinating really really has <laughs> and fluent. we've gone off a whole bunch of the script there that we, we kind of prepared i think it's a really really um genuine genuinely brilliant story from a whole number of levels from the sales and the marketing from the impact on research from your actually your empathy with the customer being a customer and how that has informed your thinking the whole way through but what really got me was the idea that you can stand in a nile and it can happen real time in a nile in the supermarket and you can happen real time where that research can just change your thinking Mm -hmm. for the better and the bravery of making that decision you yeah. know it's a brave decision to yeah. you're kind of going against your gut feel there yeah. and you're going with your gut feel yes, so yes. there's that um, it's counterintuitive sometimes yes, you know yes, um, yes, so yes. listen Sean thanks very much it's been really you're really welcome. interesting and um, thanks everybody for listening um, what's, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to check these products out what is your web address um, it's www.heavenlytasty.com and we're also on Facebook Twitter and Instagram you get all the links from our website and uh, our online shop is also there as well Okay, um, so yeah, listen, Sean, thank you very much and thanks for joining um, me today and uh, we'll be back again soon.